You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 12 in your Bibles. I told you Revelation 12, but I, uh, I, I remembered I was going to try to cover the last few verses of Revelation 11 um, from last week. I did not get to, and I'll just go over these quickly, but um, I hope that this series has been a help to you. If you ever miss a, one of the messages, I hope you go back. You can watch it online. You can listen um, on the, uh, the podcast. Sometimes that's easier to do if you know how to do that. But uh, we see in Revelation 11 in verse number 15, remember the, the, the two witnesses and uh, the, the preaching of the gospel and those witnesses are killed their bodies are in the streets and then their enemies see them uh, literally resurrected and then they ascend up into heaven and uh, that this is all happening at the halfway point of the tribulation and it says in verse number 15 the seventh angel sounded that's the seventh trumpet judgment and there were great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Isn't that amazing to think that one of these days there's going to be a transition, and all the kingdoms of this world are going to be transitioned under the power and the authority of the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is going to reign forever and ever. Hallelujah for that. Verse 16, the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshiped God. We see that referenced in Revelation 4. The four and 20 elders are around the throne and they're worshiping the Lord and, and then they cast their crowns before the throne and here they are. Uh, they are worshiping God on their faces, saying, verse 17, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. In heaven, halfway through the tribulation, there is going to be a chorus of thanks raised to God and worship given to God of thanksgiving for who he is. Friend, I want to remind you, you shouldn't wait until God does something for you to give him thanks. We ought to give him thanks because of who he is. We ought to give him praise and worship because he is worthy. If God never did anything for you, he is still worthy of your worship, and he's still worthy of my worship. You say, well, God has done a lot for me. I agree, he's done a lot for me. So he is truly, truly worthy of not just some worship. He's worthy of all the worship we could ever give him for what he's done. Thanks to God, verse number 17. Verse 18, and the nations were angry. Now, keep in mind, this is halfway through the tribulation period. But you know what? We could, we could make that statement today, could we not? The nations of this world, they are angry. People are, people are ticked off. And, and, and you say, I know, the United States. Well, yeah, here. But you think about many of these nations of the world uh, that are under the control of a, of a dictator and nations of the world that don't have the freedoms that we have. And many are going to war. And many of them are dealing with, uh, with terrible tragedies and catastrophes. I think about this earthquake that happened about a week or so ago. It seems like every time I hear on the news, they keep raising the number of how many people uh, were killed. 33,000, I think is the last number I heard, in an earthquake. 
And that, that those nations of Turkey and Syria have been devastated and, and over 100,000 people injured. And, and not to mention the economical impact. Friend, I want to tell you, there are people in this world. There are nations of this world that are angry. Verse 18, but it says that God's wrath is come. In the time of the dead, that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto the, thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. The Bible tells us that the judgment of God is coming and Revelation makes that very clear. Revelation 4, uh, the, the judgment seat and Revelation uh, 20, the great white throne judgment. That is coming. Verse 19, and the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail i think it's interesting revelation 11 it starts with the measurement of the temple on earth and it ends with the vision of the temple in heaven and friend i want to tell you the temple uh, the place of worship is important to god it matters to god it matters to god that you and i worship him it matters to God that we come to church, we do our best to give of our, 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 our self and give of our service and we give of our tithes and offerings and we give of our hearts and we give of our lives to God. That matters to God. And we see the temple in Revelation 11 at the start and at the close. Look at Revelation 12 and this is where I wanted to get tonight. It says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven. Now again, we are in the middle of the tribulation period and John is given this vision to record for us so we are, are able to know what is going to happen. And in Revelation 12, verse 1, this wonder appeared in heaven, a great wonder. It says, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Interesting. Verse 2, and she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her as soon as it was born. Verse 5, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us and help us as we look at your word. I pray that it would be very clear, and I pray that we would uh, be uh, attentive. I pray that we would be receptive, and I pray that you would help us to understand what thus saith the Lord and how we can apply it to our lives today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, Revelation 12, God gives us some insight into what the tribulation period is all about. Now, the tribulation is going to last for how many years total? Somebody help me. 
Seven years, okay? Now, we'll see several times where the, the last three and a half is the, referred to as the Great Tribulation. That is when it is intensified. That's when uh, literally just the wrath of God is poured out upon this earth. But the Tribulation lasts for seven years. The Tribulation is a time where God is dealing specifically with His people, the Jews. It is called in the Bible the time of Jacob's trouble or the time of Israel's trouble. It is referred to in the book of Daniel as the 70th week. You say, 70th week, what's that? Well, there were 70 weeks of years, so 70 uh, groupings of seven-year periods, and all of the 69 have already been fulfilled. As a matter of fact, that 69th week that Daniel prophesied, those years were all fulfilled at the time that Jesus was crucified. But there's one more week of years, one more period of seven years that has not yet been fulfilled. And you say, well, well why is there a break? Why is there such a gap? Well, because Jesus came and he came to his own, right? He came into his own people, the Jews. But what did the Jews do when Jesus came? They received him not. They rejected him. He came into his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so we see Jesus came and the Jews rejected him. They crucified him. And now we see in history, beginning in Revelation 2 and 3, we see really the beginning of the church age. And we see now for the past 2,000 years that the nation of Israel, God has not yet dealt with them. God has not yet judged them like he said he would do. Now, if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And so you can mark it down. This tribulation period, this seven years, it will happen. And so we see in, the, in history, we see that gap. We see that, that period of time where God has not dealt with his people, but he will. We see in the tribulation that God is dealing with his people. But isn't it amazing that even during the tribulation, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Remember the, the 144,000 witnesses? Remember the two witnesses also, and, and those are all Jews. 144,000 witnesses, 12,000 from every tribe, those are Jews who are preaching the gospel. Now, there'll be Gentiles saved during the tribulation, but God is still giving his people another opportunity to get saved. He's still giving them a chance to hear the gospel and to believe on Jesus Christ, the Messiah that they rejected. Now, let's look at Revelation 12. It says here in verse 1, there is a woman clothed with the sun and the moon was under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, now, now. Let's think about this for a minute. Where have we heard this before of someone saying, I saw the sun, I saw the moon, and I saw the 12 stars bowing down? Remember that? That was Joseph's dream. And Joseph was the son of Jacob. Jacob is the, really the father. His name was changed to Israel. I know Abraham is the father of the Jews. But so here we see a woman, which this woman is a picture of Israel. Because from the nation of Israel came Jesus, the Messiah. And this woman is Israel. And she, being with child, 
travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. Well, what was happening at the time that Jesus Christ was born? There was trouble. There was travail. The Jews were under the rule of the Roman Empire. Uh, they were under the rule of the Romans and they were subjected to the cruelty of Herod. Remember what Herod tried to do? When the wise men said, hey, well, we, we've come to worship him. We've seen him star in the east. And Herod said, well, let me know. I'll come worship him. And when the wise men did not come back, Herod had the babies killed at that time trying to destroy Jesus. And so we see this woman is Israel. She is uh, with child and she is travailing in birth. And then it says in verse number three, there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and he did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. I want you to uh, hold your place here in Revelation 12. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 66, please. Isaiah 66. And I want you to see a couple Old Testament references to help us to know for certain that we're on the right track in our interpretation of the, the signs and wonders. Isaiah 66, verse number 7, the Bible says, uh, Before she travailed, she brought forth, and before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child, Verse 8, who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Notice with me, if you would, in Micah chapter 5. If you go past to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Micah chapter 4. Let's start with Micah chapter 4. This woman is... A, uh, a picture of Israel. She is giving birth to the Messiah, the, the promised one, the Son of God. And it says in Micah chapter 4 and verse number 10, uh, Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. Notice Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. Well, who's this talking about? Who's going to be born in Bethlehem? Who's going to be the ruler? Jesus, right? Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. If you had any doubt before, you know this is talking about Jesus. He's everlasting. But then notice verse number three. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. So we see in Revelation 12, we see this woman is Israel. We see that this child that is born is Jesus, the, the man child, the, the boy that was born. But then we see another character in this chapter. We see a dragon. And this dragon is none other than Satan himself. You see, in verse number 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. Why was Satan called the old serpent? Because in Genesis, when he showed up in the Garden of Eden, he showed up like a serpent to deceive 
Adam and Eve and to, uh, to try to destroy what God was doing. And so we see the dragon. This is Satan. We see the child is Jesus. The woman is uh, the nation of Israel. Turn with me to one more uh, uh, passage concerning this woman. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 16. We see that this woman, she would, uh, uh, Israel would bring forth uh, this seed, this, this, this man-child, which is the Messiah. And we see in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Well, here's the amazing thing. In the book of Genesis, there was a promise given that the serpent would bruise the heel of man. But that the woman's seed, Jesus, the Messiah, he would bruise the serpent's head. And aren't you glad for that promise? Aren't you glad we know who's on the, who comes out victorious? We know who's going to win. We know the end of the story. And the promise was made. Yes, there'll be times that Satan's going to bruise the heel. Oh, but Jesus Christ is going to bruise that serpent's head. And we see that played out in the book of Revelation. And so we see these characters. We see the woman. We see the, the child. And we see the dragon. But then we get to uh, verse number five, and it says, uh, no, verse number four, it says, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Now, this is very likely that this is a reference to Satan when he was cast out of heaven. And Satan, we know him originally as Lucifer, right? Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. And Lucifer was an angel. He was, he was next to the throne of God. Uh, we believe Lucifer was probably the one who was in charge of all the music and all of the worship in heaven. By the way, you think it's any surprise that Satan loves to use music today? I didn't see the Super Bowl uh, halftime show, so I have no idea what that was. I told somebody recently, I said, I didn't see it, but I can promise you it wasn't good. I just, I know that much. I didn't see the Grammys. I heard about the Grammys. I didn't see the Grammys. But if you think that music is all innocent and you think that music is all neutral, you got another thought coming because Satan knows what he is doing to try to reach the minds of people and to influence people through music. You know why? Because he knows the power of music. I had planned to say all that, but I'm glad I did. But, but Satan in verse number four, uh, he was able to, to bring with him, to draw with him a third of the angels. Now again, I just want you to understand here, we're not talking about a guy running around with horns and a red suit and a tail and a pitchfork. We're talking about Satan, Lucifer, who had enough sway to draw a third of the angels in heaven with him. And you think you're a match for Satan? You think Satan can't get you? You think you're so strong? Friend, I got news for you. We are all in a mess. We are all, uh, all going to be destroyed unless we have the power of God. Unless we have the Holy Spirit of God working in us and through us. But we see Satan with the third of the angels that are now, we refer to them as demons who are cast out of heaven. But then it says in verse number 4, that the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child 
as soon as it was born. Satan was ready. When Jesus was born, Satan did everything he could to try to destroy Jesus before Jesus ever had a chance to grow up, uh, to go to a cross, to suffer and to bleed and to die and to pay the price. Satan was on a mission to try to destroy Jesus from the very beginning. We'll get back to that in a minute. Notice verse number five. This child that she brought forth was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God into his throne. Now, hang on. It's almost, like, it's almost like we missed something here. Because, yes, Jesus was born. And he was born to, to rule, but he didn't rule. Not yet. He was crucified. And after he was crucified, what did he do? He was caught up. He ascended back up into heaven. And he said, the way that I've ascended up, you're going to see me come back in like manner. So here's, here's where I'm going with all this, is that the Old Testament prophets, they prophesied that Jesus was coming, and they prophesied that he was going to rule. They prophesied that he was going to reign. Uh, turn with me uh, to the book of Jude. Um, I was preaching in the chapels this morning, and I was, I was talking about Enoch. You know Enoch from the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5. He was the man that walked with God and he was not because God took him. He never died. God took him straight to heaven. What a great picture of the rapture that is. But look at Jude, verse number 14. It says, and Enoch also the seventh from Adam. So we're talking about you've got Adam, you've got uh, Seth, you've got Enos, you've got Canaan, you've got Lamech, you've got Methuselah, you've got some of those. I missed a few in there. But you've got Enoch in Genesis 5. And you know what he was preaching in Genesis 5? Jesus is coming. The Lord is coming back. He is coming to execute judgment. He is coming to rule. He is coming to reign. So Jesus came. And the Jews couldn't understand it. Because Jesus started talking about dying. And he started talking about being offered up. And he started talking about being a sacrifice. And it's almost like the Jews were saying, wait a minute. That's not the plan, Jesus. You're supposed to be the king. You're supposed to sit on the throne. You're supposed to make this a great nation. It's like they didn't get it. They didn't see that before Jesus would have a crown and a throne, he would first have to go to a cross. Now, we have the benefit of looking back, and we can see it all now because it's all spelled out for us in the Word of God. But for the Jews, it's like there were some things they didn't get. They didn't see it. So we see in... Verse number five, that this, this man-child would rule all nations and, and he would be the ruler and, and he was caught up unto God and he was on the throne and praise God for that. But then it says in verse six that the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. We've seen that number before. That is the equivalent of three and a half years. And so now what this verse is saying here is that during the second half of the tribulation, this woman, Israel, she is going to be persecuted by Satan. And, and for those three and a half years there in the wilderness, she is going to be protected by God. And God will provide protection for his people even during a tribulation period. Let me give you a few thoughts here. I've, I've given you a lot of information here, but I want to give you some things that I hope you can take home and I hope they'll be a blessing to you. Number one, I want you to see about verse number two. The Bible says that this woman, 
Israel will travail in birth and she will be pained to be delivered. Can I tell you this? Jesus was born during some difficult days. Can I remind you tonight that Jesus is going to come back during some difficult days? But here's the thought. God can do great things even through difficult times. Now, hang on. Whatever you're going through right now in your life, maybe, maybe there's things that I know about that are not public on the prayer list. Maybe there's things I don't know about. Maybe there's things nobody else knows about. But in your mind, those are not good things. They're bad things. They're terrible things. They're, they're, they're life-shattering things that you're going through. But I want to remind you, God is not limited to only work in the days of sunshine. God is not limited to only work when things are going good. God is not limited that he can only work when your health is good and there's money in the bank. God can do great things even when you are going through very difficult times. Case in point, Jesus came. The woman travailed in birth. The woman was pained to be delivered. But aren't you glad Jesus showed up? Aren't you glad that Jesus came? And I'm glad that good things can come through difficult times. Number two, I want you to see in this passage that Satan wants to destroy what God is doing in your life. Anything that God is doing in your life, Satan would love nothing better than to mess it up. He would love to destroy it. I'll take it a step further. Did you know Satan especially likes to try to destroy things at the beginning? Let me give you a few examples. Genesis, you got the Garden of Eden, you got Adam and Eve, and they're walking with God, and they're fellowshipping with God, and there's no sin in the garden, and everything is wonderful. And guess who showed up? Satan. Jesus Christ is born, and guess who showed up? Satan, through a man named Herod. Jesus Christ is beginning his earthly ministry, and guess who showed up in the wilderness to try to tempt Jesus after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? Satan showed up. And I want to tell you, Satan loves to show up, especially at the beginning. He loves to spoil things. He loves to spoil relationships. He loves to spoil families. He loves to spoil the victories that God has done in your life. I, I, I still, I, I think so much about the, this last year and a half, Brother Dan, and, and all that has happened with the school, Victory Christian Academy. Can I tell you what? God did some great things and God is doing some great things, but Satan has been on the attack. And he will continue. You know why? Because if he can stop something at the beginning, there's so much potential that is lost. There's so much of future good that could be accomplished that is lost if Satan can stop it at the beginning. Satan wants to destroy you. Satan wants to destroy me. Satan is on the attack. And if Satan would try to stop Jesus, he is not afraid of messing with you. And he is not afraid of messing with me. Now, I'm glad to tell you that Jesus Christ was victorious in that wilderness. He was victorious over Satan. And he said three times, he said, as it is written, as it is written. And the victory came for Jesus through the word of God. And the victory can come for you and me also through the word of God. But we see that Satan wants to destroy everything that God is doing. Number three, quickly, I want you to see in verse number six, 
that during the tribulation, God will provide a place of safety. God will provide a place of escape for his people during the tribulation. It says in verse 6, And the woman, that's Israel, fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Now, I won't have you turn back there, but in Matthew 24, Jesus, he told of this. He said this would happen. And he said, there's coming a day when you are going to, you're going to flee to the wilderness and you're going to try to escape for your life and you're going to do everything you can just to survive. And Jesus said, those days are coming. But here's the amazing thing. Even in the midst of the tribulation, God has a place prepared to take care of his people. And not only that, God's got meals prepared too. Hallelujah for that. God's going to feed uh, his people for three and a half years during the tribulation. God said, I will take care of you. Now here's the takeaway, number three. Did you know that no matter what you go through, God always provides a way of escape? 1 Corinthians tells us that, chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Psalm 46 tells us that God himself, God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. And friend, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you'll face this week, no matter what's coming in 2023, I want to tell you, God has provided a way for you to escape. He's provided a way for you to be safe. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you. He provides a way of escape. You're looking at the situation and you say, there's no way out. You're looking around and saying, well, yeah, I mean, in here there's exit, exit, exit can't see if there's a light over here. Is there an exit over here? Exit. Hey, I got lots of choices. But you say, but in my life, I don't see any exits. I don't see any way out. Well, you don't have to see it because God specializes in things that you can't see. God specializes in things that you think and I think are impossible. God is not limited by what we understand. He is infinite. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and he can provide a way to escape. Give you one more thought here. Verse number seven. The Bible says, and there was war in heaven. Now, I'll be honest with you, this kind of blows your mind a little bit. You think, wait a second. How in the world is there a war in heaven? How does this happen? Well, I'll remind you that Satan, right now, as I speak, Satan has access to heaven. You say, no, he doesn't. Oh, yes, he does. The Bible tells us in the book of Job that Satan came before the Lord. And what did he try to do? He tried to accuse Job and say, God, the only reason Job loves you, the only reason he serves you is because you've made his life so easy, but you take all that stuff away and he will curse you. And Satan had access to heaven. You say, why would God give Satan access to heaven? Because God's not scared. 
Because God's not worried. Because God's not even a little bit nervous. Because he knows that he is almighty. He knows that he is all powerful. And anything that Satan does, anything that Satan attempts, he has to first get God's approval for it. So there's war in heaven. And the Bible says that it is Michael and his angels. I won't have you turn there. Maybe next week we'll look at it. But Daniel chapter 12, in talking about the tribulation, the Bible talks about Michael and his angels that they stand uh, for the people of God and they stand to defend God's people. And here we see in verse number seven that it is Michael, the archangel and his angels, and they fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. This is all out war going on in heaven. In verse number eight, it says, and the dragon and his angels prevailed not. Hallelujah. You know what that means? That means that God wins. That means that God's army defeats Satan and his army. The angels of the dragon and his, his army, they prevail not. I love this. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. It's at this point that God says, your access has been revoked. It is at this point that God says, Satan, you no longer have access to heaven. You no longer are coming here. And, and I don't know if, if Michael gets his, his, his shoe out and ties it up real good and gives him the boot. I don't know how he does it, but I know this, that Satan is officially banned and expelled from heaven. Hallelujah for that. We'll look at next week, we'll look at what happens here on earth after Satan is kicked out of heaven and his armies are defeated. But let me give you one more thought. Number four, we see it in verse number eight. In verse number seven, we see that we are in a spiritual battle. Now, friend, I want to tell you, there's not just spiritual war going on in the tribulation. There is a spiritual war that is going on today. There is a spiritual warfare that is going on uh, for your heart, for your mind, for your marriage, for our children, for uh, our young people. There is a spiritual battle going on that Satan would love nothing more than to destroy this church and churches like this that preach the Bible and, and get the gospel up. And I want to tell you, Satan is in a battle and so should we be in a battle. You say, well, how do we do it? Well, Ephesians 6 tells us if we're going to be in a spiritual battle, we better put on some spiritual armor. We better put on the whole armor of God every day. You say, Pastor, I'm a little nervous about this battle. I'm a little nervous. What are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to be victorious. Because the Bible tells us that the angels of the dragon prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And if God can get the victory... In Revelation 12, during the tribulation period, I want to tell you this, God can give you victory today. And God can give me victory today. And God is not limited in his power today. He's not going to have more during the tribulation. He's already got all power. And we are on the winning side. We're in a spiritual battle. And that's why it's so important that we are prepared every day by getting in the Bible. We'll see more next week about the power of the Bible, the power of prayer, the power of the blood of the Lamb, the, the testimony of those who have given their lives to, to live for God. And we see that we are in a spiritual battle. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. 
led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.